Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health Podcast. I did not put out an episode last week. I was sick and no one wanted to hear me sniffle into the microphone for 20 or 30 minutes, but we're back with another fantastic episode. This week, we're going to go over the beginner's guide to strength training. This is going to be an in-depth guide going over everything you need to know inside of the gym to create the best results possible. Um, So first, I want to define what strength training or resistance training even is. Um, So it's any exercise that causes um, the muscles to contract against an external load with the expectations of increased strength, power, hypertrophy, endurance, whatever adaptation you're looking for. Um, But that external resistance can be dumbbells, bands, barbells, machines, body weight, um, household items, whatever you can find. Um, We learned that during COVID. You can get really, really creative with stuff. Um, But again, it's any external load that is going to cause the muscle to contract Um, with the expectations of some sort of adaptation. Um, So that is the basic definition of what strength training or resistance training is. Um, And I also want to go over a few of the benefits before we really dive into how to um, dissect um, the beginner's guide to strength training, what you need to know, what things you need to focus on, um, and what's going to give you the best results in the gym. Um, I think that every single person can benefit from strength training, whether it's your grandparents, whether it's the mom of three who works a nine to five, who just wants to look better, feel better, function better, be able to go to the beach and be in a bikini and actually feel confident. Um, again, your grandparent who just wants to be able to get up off the couch and play with their grandkids, um, or the, the athlete who wants to be the best at their sport. Strength training is for everyone. There's a benefit for everyone. Um, so let's go over a few of those real quick. Um, I think I have like 20 of them that I wrote down. Um, so I wrote them all on a list cause there are so many benefits Um, Building muscle, improving strength, boosting your metabolism, decreasing fat, looking more quote-unquote toned, lowering the risk of injury, improving heart health, decreasing blood pressure, lowering LDL, um, improving circulation, decreasing cholesterol, improving insulin sensitivity, lowering the risk of type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity, all-cause mortality, improving flexibility and mobility, boosting self-esteem, improves focus, reduces anxiety and depression, improves mental health, brain health, decrease the risk of dementia, improves the quality of life, reduces pain, improves balance, makes you hotter, makes you cooler, makes you better at sex. All things that we want. So there is a benefit for everyone. I'm sure that you can resonate with at least one or two minimum of those benefits inside of strength training. So I think now I've convinced you at least to give strength training a try if you haven't already. Um, and if you have, we're going to, again, dissect exactly what you need to be focusing on in the order of importance of these things. So I've created my version of the training hierarchy. So the training, hier- training hierarchy or the training pyramid came from um, Eric Helms. He's someone I've learned a lot from, and he originally created the strength training pyramids, um, the training and nutrition pyramids. Um, they kind of go over the order of importance. So when you think of a pyramid, it's got the base, which is the biggest part, all the way up to the top, which is the smallest part. So you can kind of think of the base as the most important stuff, where the top is the least important stuff. So going over the training hierarchy, um, I have, mine's a little bit different than what his is because he was primarily speaking to athletes, competitors, stuff like that, where I'm speaking to that grandparent, the mom of three, the general person, your average Joe, who just wants to look better, feel better, function better, and be able to go to the beach with their shirt off and feel confident. So what is the training hierarchy 
that I've created for just that average person. Number one is consistency. Number two, volume, intensity, and frequency. And we're going to dive into each one of these here. Um, but I wanted to go over kind of an overview of what you're going to hear during the podcast today. Um, number three is progressive overload. Number four is recovery. And number five is periodization. So the base of the pyramid, consistency, adherence. Consistency is the most important thing that you can have on your fitness journey. Um, that holds true in every aspect of your fitness journey. Um, it's something I talk about all the time is like whatever you can do consistently is going to be the most important. Um, and inside of consistency, I also want to talk about enjoyment. So what we have to do is kind of find your floor. Again, this is for the average person who just wants to look better, feel better, function better, and be happy and confident and look better. Um, so we have to ask what can you actually consistently do? How many days per week can you go to the gym? Is it one time, two times, three times, four times, five times? How many days can you go to the gym consistently? There's not a right or wrong answer here. Um, and I think people think that there's a certain threshold that you have to go to the gym. I think if you can make it minimum two times a week, that'd be ideal, but you can still make progress at one time per week. So we just have to ask, how many times can you consistently do it? And again, this is that finding the floor concept I always talk about, is what can you consistently do on your worst, craziest week? We can always build up from there, but let's just lower the barrier of entry for success and make winning really, really easy. Going more times per week is not always going to be more beneficial. So if you try to go five times a week, but you're only ever making it three times, then it doesn't matter. I can write the best plan in the world for you, but if you can't consistently stick to it, then the plan sucks. So we have to, again, just find what you can consistently stick to. And then the other part of this is enjoyment. Um, you have to actually enjoy what you're doing. No matter what's the quote unquote best split, best workouts, any of that. Yes, that stuff's important. Yes. And, and we do have to have our discussions about that stuff. Um, and we can nerd out about that all you want. But what is most important is what you actually enjoy, because that's what you're going to stick to most often is what you enjoy doing. And the other part of enjoyment is if you actually enjoy what you're doing, you're going to give more effort to that. More effort long-term is going to lead to better results. So the bottom of that pyramid, again, is consistency and enjoyment. What can you consistently stick to and actually enjoy doing and progress over time? Because this isn't a, a one-month process. This isn't just going to flip, you're going to go to the gym, flip the switch, and all of a sudden you look like the rock. I mean, unless you take steroids, you probably won't look like the rock either, but that's a whole other discussion. But you're not going to just go to the gym and all of a sudden all your problems are fixed. This, this stuff takes time. You didn't get to where you're at in one month. You're not going to get where you want to be in just one month either. So what can we stick to long-term and actually enjoy doing? The next thing on the pyramid is volume, intensity, and frequency. So first I want to define what those are. Volume is essentially the um, total number of stimulative sets per muscle group per week. Um, so how many sets you're doing per week per muscle group. Um, intensity is going to be how hard you're training, and we're going to quantify that as your proximity to failure. So how close to failure are you training? Because um, we have to train within a certain degree of failure to have stimulative enough sets. So those are volume and intensity. Frequency is just how you break those two up, how you structure your week, so what kind of split that you're on. Um, if you're training one, one time per week per each muscle group, two times, three times, whatever it is, um, that's just how you split up after you decide volume and intensity. So when we go into volume, we kind of talked about this in the previous podcast. If you haven't listened to that, um, going over how to maximize your gains efficiently, go look at that. Um, but essentially, um, I think that a, a good recommendation 
for volume is between five and 12 sets per muscle group per week. Um, you ask any fitness professional and they're going to give you 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. And this is what we talked about during that last podcast. Um, I'll dive a little bit into it, but we won't go too far. Um, so that came from a 2017 Schoenfield and colleagues, Schoenfeld and colleagues study um, that showed that 10 sets per group, per muscle group per week gave you the best results. Five to nine sets, um, what they called medium volume, gave you about 84% of the results you were ever going to get. And one to four sets or low volume gave you about 64%, I believe is what it was. A um, couple caveats to that is they counted um, all volume or indirect volume. So if you were doing a bench press, they also counted it towards your pecs, towards your triceps, towards your uh, shoulders, your, your delts. So we don't necessarily count volume like that in real life, but during the study, that's how they counted it as. Um, we're going to count more direct volume. Um, so when we take that into consideration and that they counted all volume as a one-to-one ratio, which means that a squat and a leg extension were counted as the same. But if you've ever done a squat set and a leg extension set, you know, a squat set is much more stimulative than a leg extension set. And there's also a lot more fatigue associated with a squat versus a leg extension. So they're not one-to-one. Um, you can't compare those hundred percent evenly. And they did in this study again, not that it was a bad study. It's a fantastic groundbreaking study. Uh, meta-analysis that compared a bunch of other studies, but there are limitations to exercise science studies. Um, so we just have to be able to interpret the data. Um, but I do want to read a direct quote from that article. The current body of evidence indicates a graded dose response relationship between resistance training volume and muscle growth. Clearly substantial hypertrophic gains can be made using low volume protocols, less than four sets per week. Such an approach therefore represents a viable muscle building option for those who are pressed for time or those to which the conservation of energy is an ongoing concern. That is the direct quote from there. Again, this is the same study that we got the 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. They are also saying that training with even one to four sets per muscle group per week can elicit hypertrophic gains. You can still see progress. Now they did say that over 10 sets is going to be the most stimulative and that there are diminishing returns to those. So doing so much volume is going to diminish your returns on the hypertrophic gains itself. But what this actually means when you really break it down and kind of digest it is that fitness is significantly more um, inclusive than we once thought. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours in the gym, six to seven days a week, three plus hours a day. You can do one to 10 or 12 sets per muscle group per week and still see fantastic progress. That's why I think the five to 12 is a fantastic recommendation for just the average person. Um, again, I want you to count direct volume, not indirect volume. Um, so if you're doing your biceps, for example, we're not going to count any rowing motions towards your bicep volume. Now you are getting some bicep activation when you're doing a rowing movement, but we're not going to count that towards that. Um, just like with your, your chest, if we're doing a dumbbell bench press, we're not going to count that towards your triceps and your delts. We're going to count that primarily towards your pecs. So we want to count just directed volume. But if you do that five to 12 sets per week, you don't have to ever have that excuse of, well, I can't spend that much time in the gym again. Um, that's not an excuse anymore. This study proves that that, um, quote proves that. So I think that's a good recommendation 
for volume is you can still make significant progress with a low to medium volume approach, which is really, really cool and super inclusive inside of fitness, which again, that is exactly what the beginner's guide to strength training is all about. It's the average person, not the elite athlete. The elite athlete's obviously going to be a little bit different, but if you just want to look better, feel better, function better, and just be able to take your shirt off at the beach and feel confident, then hell yeah, a low to medium volume approach is very viable. Now, the other part of that intensity, um, mechanical tension is the main driver of hypertrophy. Again, how close are you taking that muscle to failure? The more or the closer you take it to failure, the more stimulative that exercise is. Um, generally, we want to th- train between three or four reps in reserve to zero reps in reserve. So what that means, reps in reserve or RIR is how close you are to failure. We want to be between zero and four reps in reserve. Um, The way we look at this is the stress recovery adaptation model of growth. Um, So picture this, you walk into the gym, you have a baseline level of strength, uh, muscle mass, whatever. You apply a stress in the form of resistance training. You go home, you eat, sleep, recover. If the stress was adequate, if you trained hard enough with enough volume, which generally isn't the the biggest thing. Normally, it's if you train hard enough. Most people train with enough volume, sometimes too much volume. And you recovered well enough, your baseline will go up and you would have adapted to the stress you placed upon your body, which was that resistance training, which is going to elicit the response um, or the adaptation of muscle and strength growth. But if the stress wasn't sufficient, you, no matter how much you go home, eat, sleep, recover, you won't adapt to that stress and you won't grow. You won't get stronger or build more muscle. So we have to train with a certain level of intensity to actually see that, um, adaptation that we're training for, um, frequency. We won't spend a ton of time on this one. Like I said, this is essentially just, um, going to be how you take volume and intensity and spread it across your week. Um, so if you're training two, three, four, five times per week, um, that's going to dictate how you make your program. So it's essentially going to be like the split, but there's not a sufficient amount of evidence to give you a, what we call scientific, um, explanation or a scientific recommendation on how much or how, how much volume or excuse me, how much frequency you should have throughout the week. Um, you can hit the muscles as many times as you'd like. I'd say aim for two times per week, but again, there's not enough scientific evidence to support one way or the other. You can make progress seeing one or doing it one time per week, all the way up to five times per week, doing like a full body split or even a bro split where you're doing one muscle group per day. Um, again, think about point one here, consistency, whatever is going to allow you to be the most consistent long-term and something you actually enjoy doing. So how do we actually tie these together? I want you to think of volume and intensity as dials. As you turn one dial up, the other dial gets turned down. The more intense your workouts have to be, the less volume you have to do and vice versa. Um, Again, there is a certain level of intensity you have to train at to elicit that response. But as long as that is being met, the more intense your workouts, if you're training to failure every time, then you're going to train with less volume. If you're training at like a four to three RIR primarily, then you're going to do more volume because it's more of a cumulative effect then. Um, So the more intense your workouts, the less volume you have to do vice versa. Um, I think a very practical approach here, um, because again, the point of this podcast is give you some practical recommendations here, is training with a lower volume, higher intensity approach. So I would aim for five to 12 sets per muscle group per week at a zero to three RIR. If you do that, you're going to set yourself up for success. Next on the agenda here, next on the 
um, training hierarchy is going to be progressive overload. So what is progressive overload? Progressive overload is essentially changing of training variables over time to increase the difficulty of your workout to again, elicit those adaptations that we're looking for. Um, so if we go back to the stress recovery adaptation model of progress, this is increasing the stress portion over time. If you are continually doing the same thing over and over every time you go into the gym, you won't eventually you won't be stimulating that muscle enough to grow or to adapt um, in a hypertrophic or strength response. Um, so you have to increase the, the stress somehow. And those don't have to just be weight and reps. That's that's a very common thing is just increasing weight or increasing reps. But at some point you won't be able to do that. If that was the case, if you could just always add more weight or more reps, we'd all be super jacked and super strong, but that's not the case. So you can do things like um, changing your sets, tempo, movement control, movement efficiency, um, workout density, stuff like that. So I wanna give a couple examples of what this actually looks like in practice. Um, so number one is what I call a double progression. I think this is a fantastic place for most people to start. Um, so essentially double progression is working on two variables. You're not progressing one variable until you progress the other variable, those being weight and reps. So if you're working in the eight to 10 or eight to 12 rep range, you're not progressing the weight until you max out the rep range. So for example, if you're doing 25 pounds for three sets of eight, um, next week, you're doing 25 pounds for three sets of nine, and then the following week, 25 pounds for three sets of 10. And then the following week, since you maxed out that rep range, you can do 30 pounds, and you're probably going to end somewhere around seven or eight reps, and then you're going to, again, work on filling that rep range out again. Um, this won't work forever, though. Again, as cool as it would be, we can't just add weight and reps forever. So the other thing that I like to do is waving through different blocks. You see this a lot in powerlifting program. As a powerlifting coach, um, I take a lot of the principles from powerlifting and I incorporate them into um, your regular training, the average Joe training, because I do think that a lot of those principles, um, when you really understand them on a deep level, um, do translate very well um, to building muscle and strength. So the goal of waving through different blocks is essentially just to start each block slightly higher than the previous block. Um, so example again here is block one, you're doing 25 pounds at an RIR three, you drop into an RIR two at 25 pounds, 30 pounds RIR one, and 30 pounds all the way to failure, zero RIR. Second block, we're starting at 30 pounds for an RIR three. So what we were originally doing as an RIR three, we're now doing more weight for that. So essentially, you're starting each block slightly higher than the last block. Um, if you take a step back and look at it kind of at a wider lens, you're going to see an upward trend in progress. And that's exactly what we're looking for over time. Again, we can't just add weight and reps all the time. As cool as that would be, um, we would, everyone would be lifting a thousand pounds and be super jacked and super strong, but that's not how it works. Um, but this allows us to continually progress over time. And as our strength grows, it allows us to progress. Um, with this model, though, you have to be careful not to start each block too high. We want to allow ourselves some room to grow into each block. Um, so kind of have an idea of where you'd like to, where you ideally, realistically would like to finish the block and kind of reverse engineer your way on where you need to start there. Um, but again, can't just add weight and reps all the time. Um, so other way, other things we can do inside of programming is is manipulating things like tempo. So controlling that eccentric, having pauses at the bottom. Um, we can have more control of the movement, feel the movement better. We can increase our sets. We can increase our movement pattern efficiency. So how efficiently we're moving that weight, um, our workout density, which is essentially um, how, how much work you're accomplishing in a certain period of time. We can 
accomplish the same amount of work in less time, which is going to create more of a stress response. Um, there's so many different things we can do to actually increase the stress response here. Um, but again, there has to be some sort of stress increase over time to help elicit those response long term. The, this can all make your workout um, harder week to week or block to block. You can increase them week to week or you can wait block to block in kind of those waves, whatever you enjoy most. Again, that is the underlying principle of all this enjoyment and consistency. Um, but at some point there has to be an increase in the stress response um, so that we can then force growth still. Next one on here is the exercise selection tier of the training hierarchy. I do want to make a note here. Um, even with bad exercise selection, you can still make progress. And every tier from here on out is just about optimizing your programming and making the best possible progress in the gym. But with consistency, enjoyment, volume, intensity, frequency, and progressive overload being taken care of, you're going to get like 80 to 85% of the results that you ever would. The last 15 to 20% is all going to be about maximizing what you do. Again, this is the beginner's guide to strength training. So if you're brand new into the gym, I would focus on the first three tiers. If you are a little bit uh, more experienced in the gym and you really want to get the most out of your training, these can really, really help you do that. Um, so exercise selection. Um, the first concern is going to be specificity. Um, so the law of specificity states that the training you do should be specific to the adaptation or outcome that you're hoping to get. Um, so think of it this way. If you want to get good at playing the piano, you have to practice playing the piano, not practice by playing the guitar. If you want to get good at hypertrophy or get hypertrophy, you have to train for hypertrophy, not endurance or any other adaptation that you can get inside of the gym. Um, so if you want to build muscle, um, and get jacked. You need to choose exercises that are actually going to allow that. Um, so exercises like um, things that will create a high degree of stability, create a high degree of mechanical tension in that target muscle um, that don't require a ton of extra skill and don't require a lot of other supporting muscle groups. So yes, the barbell squat bench and deadlift might not be the most optimal exercises you could ever do for hypertrophy. They still do produce hypertrophy. And again, this is why I'm saying that this is like the last 15 to 20% to fully optimize and get as much out of the gym as you possibly can. Um, but this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a lot more nuance that goes in exercise selection, like loading potential, absolute load versus relative load, enjoyment, etc. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, but these are a few things that we want to focus on. Um, so if you're a power lifter, for example, um, you're going to be heavily loaded with big th the big three squat bench and deadlift accessories of those or close variations of those and then accessory movements that are going to help fill in the gaps in your fitness or muscle mass that the big three movements and the close variations are not hitting um, to elicit that strength response. So do what you need to do to elicit the response you're hoping to get. Again, I think the playing the piano, if you want to get good at playing the piano, you have to actually practice by playing the piano, not practice by playing another instrument. It's a fantastic real life example that makes a lot of sense here. Next up is recovery. Recovery is the second part of the stress recovery adaptation model. If you can't recover from the stress you're placing upon your body, you're never going to adapt to the, the stress and actually see progress. So you're never going to to see growth if you're just constantly going in there and beating the shit out of yourself. More is not always better inside of fitness. Most of the time, more is actually probably worse. More volume, exercises, training days, 
isn't always going to lead to more growth. Um, we have to start to view our rest days as growth days because this is where we actually make progress. You don't make progress when you're in the gym. You make progress on the days you spend outside of the gym recovering. Um, recovery is going to be your nutrition, um, which we'll cover here in just a little bit as well. Um, this isn't about nutrition, but I do want to go and talk a little bit about nutrition inside of training, um, sleep, load management, which is volume and intensity management. So beating the shit out of yourself in the gym every single day is a fast track to seeing a downward trend in progress over time. Again, if you, you take a step back and you view this from a wider lens, if you're just constantly beating the shit out of yourself in the gym and you're never able to recover from the stress you're doing, um, if you're constantly improving your stress and you're doing progressive overload, but you're never recovering from it, that baseline you went into the gym with is going to start to trend downward. Um, or you're even going to plateau. So we just have to be careful on how much stress we place upon the body. Are we able to meet those recovery demands or not? If not, we have to take a look and see where we're broken on that, that model. Is it the stress part of it? Are we stressing ourselves too much? Are we not load managing enough or are we not recovering enough? Does our nutrition, sleep, stuff like that suck? Next up is periodization. Uh, periodization is the planned manipulation of training variables to maximize training adaptations. So again, this kind of encompasses everything we've just talked about. And that's why it's at the top of the pyramid because it's not its own specific thing. It encompasses every little part of what we just talked about. Um, so you can still make progress, not necessarily focusing on this. And this is where we make the distinction between are we working out or are we training? Working out is going to be looking at the individual workout that we're doing just that day. Um, so if we're just focused on what we're doing that day, that's just working out. If we can take a step back, really look at things with a wide lens and see over time how we're looking to manipulate our training variables, that's training because that's going to help us actually work on that increasing stress, recovering from that stress, and then adapting long-term. But if we're just looking at single training sessions, this is where you see personal trainers in the gym just absolutely beating the shit out of clients, doing 20, 25 sets in a single workout. And like, yeah, you might be super sweaty, tired, and throwing up after your workout, but that doesn't mean it's a good workout. That means that you are not taking into account training. You're not taking a step back and looking at how we can make this progress long-term, how we can actually have this adaptation long-term and maximize the results. You're getting the instant gratification from beating the shit out of yourself in one workout. And you just have to ask yourself, is your goal long-term progress or is it to feel that dopamine rush from just beating the shit out of yourself in that one workout and you're okay with not seeing progress long-term? If that's the case, then great. Beat the shit out of yourself in each workout. But I think most of us, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you want to see long-term results. You want to see the adaptations you're actually training for. You want to build muscle. You want to get stronger. You want to feel better. You want to function better. So we have to take a step back and how we can manipulate our training variables over time to actually see this outcome that we're looking for. So this periodization normally comes from like sports and in sports, you have very definable seasons. You have your preseason, in-season, postseason, and off-season. But in, in the context of like general health and fitness, those aren't as necessarily defined uh, or clear cut. So we have to go back to what is your long-term goal and how can we manipulate these variables over time to elicit specific outcomes? Um, if you're looking for strength, hypertrophy, or whatever you're looking for, um, we have to manipulate the variables in a specific way to ensure we get those outcomes. Um, so there has to be planned periods of pushing back, pulling forward, 
um, how you're handling your nutrition through these phases. Again, if it was as simple as just adding weight and reps, we'd all be super strong and super jacked, but we have to begin to turn our workouts into training sessions um, and, and really take a step back. And that is how we're going to, to turn this from, oh, hey, I had a really good workout. I beat the absolute shit out of myself. I threw up to like, hey, I've seen really, really awesome, consistent results over the last six months to a year. I've now built muscle, gotten stronger and feel better. Again, if that's your goal, then periodization is super important for you. Um, but if you're brand new into training, I would really just focus on the beginning three tiers of this pyramid, consistency, volume, intensity, frequency, and progressive overload. The rest of it is going to give you that last 15 to 20% of growth. Now, I do want to touch on nutrition a little bit here. Um, again, this, this podcast is not about nutrition. I will do an entire another um, podcast on nutrition. I, I've done one before. Um, but we can't talk about optimizing training without, uh, without at least mentioning basics of nutrition. Because um, poor nutrition can really stop your, your training dead in the water. Nutrition is one of the most important parts for recovery. Um, again, stress recovery adaptation if you're not taking that recovery portion very seriously, no matter how much stress you're putting on the body, you're never going to recover from it. And, and eventually you will start to see that downward trend in your baseline. And that is the exact opposite of what we want to get from training. Um, so if your goal is to build muscle and strength, we have to actually spend time not dieting. I think that's one of the most underrated things in the fitness industry is if you take time structured time to focus on building muscle. That is one of the biggest things you can do to actually change your physique. Yes, fat loss will change your physique, but building muscle will also drastically change your physique. If you take your current physique and add 10 pounds of muscle, you're going to look very, very different. So take time not dieting and specifically training to build muscle or strength. It's only going to make your dieting in the future much, much easier as well. Um, but a couple things that you should do to maximize your recovery through nutrition in the gym, um, eat at maintenance or in a surplus for a minimum of six months, ideally longer if your goal is truly to build a lot of muscle and strength. If it's just kind of an in-between for you and your main goal is fat loss, then I'd say six months, very, very, very minimum would be three months if you have a lot of weight to lose, but spend a good amount of time actually trying to build muscle because it is a long process. Um, eat one gram per pound of body weight and protein every single day. Eat a majority of your carbs around your workout, either in the pre, intra, or post-workout window. Minimize fats around your workout window. That'll slow your digestion and make it harder um, once we go into that fight-or-flight mode um, or that sympathetic state. Um, rest and digest stops, and we just have that food kind of sit on us, and it's not a good feeling, um, not optimal for working out. Um, and then, again, more than anything, be consistent, but we'll go more in-depth on another podcast um, on all things training or all things nutrition for hypertrophy and strength. But I wanted to mention a couple things as far as that in this podcast, because again, you can't talk about optimizing training without at least mentioning nutrition. But if you can follow this training hierarchy and you can take these things into consideration and look at the programming that you're doing or that you're writing for yourself or that someone else is writing for you and see, are we checking off these variables? Are we being consistent and are we having something we can be consistent with and actually enjoy doing is volume intensity and frequency thought of taken care of and in a good range are we doing way too much volume or not enough volume are we not training with enough intensity or way too much intensity um where where are your dials at um progressive overload is there some sort of forced adaptation 
through weight, reps, um, control, movement pattern deficiency, density, all these things. Is there some sort of progression over time? If yes, awesome, you're on the right track. If no, let's reconsider what you're doing to maximize the gain. Um, is your recovery on point? Are you actually able to recover from the stress that you're placing upon your body? If so, awesome, you're on the right track. And then do we have some sort of long-term plan um, to manipulate these training variables over time to elicit the response we're looking to get? If so, awesome, you are on the right track. But this is the beginner's guide to strength training. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, it was a really fun one for me. I love talking about strength training because I, I really do believe that every single person in the world can benefit from some sort of resistance or strength training. Um, I just don't think enough people view it in the right way. Um, people view resistance or strength training as these meatheads going to the gym and banging weights around. And and yes, that's part of it. I, I think that's part, it's fun, but that's not what it all is. I've trained people um, all the way from 18, all the way up to 75 years old. And seeing that person who's 75 years old move better, feel better, function better, and just have a better quality of life is a really, really awesome feeling. And it's really, really cool that they can start to do things on their own that they didn't think at 75 years old they'd be able to do. But again, this is the beginner's guide to strength training for your average Joe, for the grandparent, the mom of three who works a nine to five and can't spend multiple days or hours in the gym, the person who just wants to look better, feel better, function better, and finally be confident enough to take your shirt off at the beach. That is all I have for you guys today. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.